The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Did you know that relaxation is all in your mind? That's right. By applying various techniques of mindfulness, you can practice relaxation anywhere and anytime, whether it's at home, work, or at play. Welcome to Come Back to Your Senses Radio with host Leah Brenda Smith. Our program is all about recovering your common sense. Now, here's health and wellness specialist Leah Brenda Smith. Hello, you are listening to Come Back to Your Senses Radio. I am your host, Leah Brenda-Smith, and so pleased to welcome the listeners from Voice America Variety and Project Freedom Radio Network. If you're looking for me on the net, you can find me at my website, leahbrendasmith.com, and also on Facebook, leahbrendasmith.com, or come back to your senses radio. Today, the topic is on brain fitness. And I actually learned quite a bit and needed to learn quite a bit about brain fitness uh, about five years ago after having a, um, a head injury as a result of a sports accident. So brain fitness became a very important part of my life and part of my recovery for a, an extended period of time. So I'm going to take you through some tips and some suggestions, but before we do that, let's lay some groundwork for really what are we talking about? What is brain fitness and how can our brain change over time? You know, often people think of childhood and young adulthood as a time really when the brain is growing. You know, young people are constantly learning new things and they're embarking on new adventures and they have an inquisitiveness and an explorative nature and spirit. And generally, we think of older adults as often seen in that time frame as that of a cognitive decline. You know, with people becoming more fretful and less inclined to seek new experience, and we become set in our ways. But brain plasticity, also called neuroplasticity, is a common term that's used by neuroscientists, and it refers to the brain's ability to change at any age, uh, for the better or for the worse. This flexibility plays an incredibly important role in our brain development or decline, and in shaping our distinct personalities. Brain plasticity is a physical process. Gray matter, brain matter, can actually shrink or thicken. And neural connections can be forged and refined, or they can weaken and sever. So changes in the physical brain manifest as changes in our abilities. For example, each time we learn a new dance step, it reflects a change in our physical brains. 
new wires, new neural pathways that give instructions to our bodies on how to perform the step. And each time we forget someone's name, that also reflects brain change. Wires that once connected to the memory have been degraded or even severed. And as these examples show, changes in the brain can result in improved skills like a new dance step or a weakening of skills such as in a forgotten name. This reminds me of uh, experiences that I had in my early 20s when I was learning to juggle and I practiced one move of being able to juggle just two of the balls in one of my hands for actually a few weeks And finally, something happened the way that I described it at the time was as if my brain created a new road or a new a new map, a new path of light in my mind when it finally lit up and occurred to me how it was that I could add the third ball into the juggling system and actually juggle three balls in the air at once. So that's the kind of thing that rewiring or creating new neural pathways, very exciting to do that. Now, research has shown that under the right circumstances, the power of brain plasticity can help adult minds to grow. And although certain brain machinery tends to decline with age, there are steps that people can take to tap into the plasticity and to reinvigorate that machinery. We just have to keep our brains fit with a series of targeted brain plasticity exercises. People that suffer from a variety of cognitive conditions like schizophrenia or the fibrofog or chemo brain, and even people that have a brain hangover in the morning after eating foods that their body is sensitive to, like gluten or wheat, dairy, white flour, or sugar. People that suffer from these things may be able to retrain their brains to healthier functioning. And many of the online brain training programs manage the challenges of identifying what brain mechanisms to target and how to exercise them effectively. And a little later in the show, I'm going to share some information from one of those online programs called Luminosity and how we can get some brain training. But for now, let's stay with this idea of the neuroplasticity and understanding that. Another important finding of the neuroplasticity research is the discovery of how closely our senses are connected to our memory and our cognition. And because of their interdependence, a weakness in one is often related to the cause of a weakness in another. For example, we all know that Alzheimer's patients slowly lose their memories. And one way that this manifests is that they tend to eat less food, which actually can be related to visual defects that are also a part of Alzheimer's. People eat less because they can't see the food as well. Another example is in normal age-related cognitive changes. As we grow older, we get more forgetful and distracted. 
and in large part because our brain does not process what we hear, see, and feel as well as it once did. The result is that we can't store images of our experiences as clearly, which is why we have trouble using them and recalling them later. You know, I often do something to kind of help my brain along. If I am uh, stumped, I know we all have those moments where your mind just goes blank. And I talk out loud to myself, actually to my brain, and say to my brain, talk to me. And that's just become my little way, kind of my companionship with my brain of uh, asking my brain to fire up and give me the information that I'm looking for. I'm sure that many of you have your own little things that you do as well that help you kind of get your brain back on track. You know, many folks go to the gym to exercise their muscles, but where can you go to exercise your brain? So luminosity, happy neuron, brain master, and brain fit are a few of the common internet sites that specialize in fitness for your brain. The term brain fitness supports the idea that cognitive abilities can be maintained or improved by exercising your brain in the same way that physical fitness is improved by exercising the body. Aspects of the brain remain plastic throughout our lifetime, and high levels of mental activity are associated with reduced skills of age-related dementia. And that's very good news. Brain fitness is the capacity of a person to meet the various cognitive challenges that come up in a daily basis in life. It's based on the ability to assimilate information, comprehend our relationships, and develop reasonable conclusions and plans. Brain fitness can certainly be developed through formal education, just generally even being mentally engaged in life, ongoing learning, and through exercises that are designed to challenge our cognitive skills. And a healthy lifestyle certainly contributes to a healthy brain. Healthy lifestyle habits like mental stimulation, physical exercise, good nutrition, stress management, and even good sleep, healthy sleep patterns can improve our brain fitness. So lifestyle is certainly one of the major factors that determines the health of your brain. And just like your body, if you stretch and exercise your brain, you can keep it fit. There are a lot of simple things you can do to boost your brain health and your life. And research shows that mental stimulation is important for developing a stronger, healthier brain. Activities that challenge and focus the brain help build up brain reserve. And having brain reserve is important to the plasticity of your brain and its ability to reorganize itself and build new connections. And in the case of myself, when I spoke earlier about having had a, um, a mild brain injury from uh, the sports accident that I had, I found that I had 
at that time had a lot of brain reserve, fortunately, because my brain was able to adapt and accommodate and fill in the blanks for some of the things that were challenging for me to do at that time. Now, in a, a study in 2006 by Sherry Willis, she and her colleagues at the National Institute on Aging documented a long-term positive effects of cognitive training on brain function in older adults. And the study proved that at nearly any point in your life, you can strengthen your brain by doing tasks that are new, complex, and that stimulate and balance a variety of areas within the brain. So she suggested six stimulating solutions for a stronger brain. To play games, to read and write, to cultivate a hobby or two, to embrace lifelong education and lifelong learning, doing puzzles, and even taking a trip, the novelty of new places and how that stimulates the brain. Now, eating smart. Eating smart for a healthier brain. Nutrition's a huge factor in brain health. And maybe this is a little little bit of an untapped area that we're going to be hearing more and more about in time to come. But we all know that eating a well-balanced, healthy diet, it certainly reduces our risk of chronic age-related diseases, brain diseases such as dementia and Alzheimer's. And current research into diet and brain health shows that nutrition plays a really big part in brain development and function throughout your entire life. With good nutrition and a few healthy eating habits, you can be well on your way to reducing your risk of future ailments and improving your day-to-day mental health and well-being. So the first suggestion would be to fill up on fruits and vegetables. Good nutrition helps you avoid diseases that make life tough on your brain. And fruits and vegetables, especially if they are green and leafy, are a powerful powerhouse for brain health. Generally speaking, the portion sizes are a half a cup is actually one serving. So eating at least three to five portions of fruits and vegetables can prolong the health of your brain. Imagine that. Eating green leafy vegetables improves the health of your brain and can increase your brain fitness. And then there's those friendly antioxidants, which we're certainly become more familiar uh, uh, with in the last years. And knowing that diets that are rich in antioxidants help keep your brain operating at its peak because they help reduce the risk of conditions like Alzheimer's. Antioxidants neutralize free radicals, which are groups of atoms that can damage cells and are believed to accelerate the progression of cancer, cardiovascular disease, and age-related diseases. So here's a list of the brain foods that are rich in antioxidants, and it's certainly a list that has gone around the Facebook, the great, uh, the great Facebook in the sky. Lots of people are becoming more aware of antioxidants, and here's a list. The whole grains, berries, 
especially those blueberries, broccoli, soya, carrots, red grapes, garlic, spinach, green tea, and tomatoes. So these are the foods that are high in antioxidants. And then we move on to increasing your processing power, your brain's ability to process information by taking omega-3, foods that are high in omega-3. Now, your brain is comprised of at least 60% fat, and it's the fatty or lipid part of your brain that helps rapidly transmit information across your neural networks. So our bodies don't naturally produce omega-3 fatty acids. Therefore, it's essential to include them in your diet. Eating omega-3 fatty acids may contribute to maintaining proper fat in your brain and boosting your brain's processing power and its ability to fight mental health decline. So here are some sources of omega-3 fatty acids. Cold water, oily fish, salmon, albacore tuna, mackerel, trout, and sardines. And then walnuts. They say about a quarter of a cup provides 90%, imagine 90% of your daily requirement of essential fats. And then other nuts, like Brazil nuts, hazelnuts, pecans, and almonds. Again, source of Omega fatty acids are those leafy green vegetables like spinach, Swiss chard, and kale. Then seeds, especially flax, pumpkin, and sesame seeds. And oils like canola, rapeseed, linseed, flaxseed, or soybean oil. And the last on the list is eggs, which are a good source of the omega-3 fatty acids. Just some other general comments about how we can increase our brain health through our diet would be to reduce the intake of calories. Research indicates that being overweight may lead to an increased risk of decline in brain function later in life. In fact, overweight or obese individuals in their 40s may be more prone to developing Alzheimer's as seniors. And metabolic processes are initiated by the burning of calories and can have the potential to affect cognitive function. So as a result, a healthy caloric intake can increase cognitive functioning, while overeating can increase the vulnerability of cells to damage. So you may think that middle age and weight go hand in hand. But the truth of the matter is that they don't have to. Reducing your calorie intake may be one solution to increasing your longevity and your brain's staying power. So here are just three simple ways that you can reduce your calorie intake. Consume only 80% of what you really think that you need to eat at each meal. 
So reduce your intake per meal by 20%. Eat slowly. Savoring each bite. Not everybody's aware of it, but the process of digestion actually begins in your mouth when you chew your food. So if you're eating your food very quickly and you're not taking the time to chew each bite and chew your food, then your brain is not registering that you've eaten and you would be much more likely to overeat. And then also your digestive system isn't getting the nutrients that it needs to begin the digestive process, not the nutrients, the digestive enzymes that it needs to begin the process of digestion, which actually starts in your mouth. So cut down on your intake, reduce the amount of food, eat more slowly, and then the last one would be, again, make vegetables or fruit the largest portion of your meal. So a couple of other tips would be to reduce your sodium and cholesterol. Excessive sodium and cholesterol in your diet can be so damaging to your health and lead to high blood pressure and increased buildup on your blood vessel walls. These nutrients, this the nutritional damage that's linked to the heart, heart attack and stroke and when it comes to your brain, lifestyle factors like high blood pressure and cholesterol can contribute to dementia. So that's why it's really essential to put your heart and your brain health in the forefront. Reduce your sodium and cholesterol intake. You'll feel a lot better and your brain will be so much happier and your heart also. And then as the last piece in this section on nutrition and brain health through your food is a few tips on fighting cholesterol. Generally speaking, just go back to basics. The closer to nature the food is that you're eating, then the healthier the food is. So make fresh food your first choice. You want to limit the preservatives and the amount of processed foods that you eat. You know, foods like packaged foods and canned vegetables and soups and frozen dinners and smoked or processed meats, which are very high in sodium and high in cholesterol. So you want to limit them or eliminate them. Then also a reduction in the amount of animal products like meats and animal byproducts such as butter, milk, cheese, and eggs, which also can contribute to high cholesterol. And the last one is to reduce the salt intake. Just try it. Try cooking and eating your meals without adding any salt. You may find that you really like the taste of the food itself without adding salt to it. There's a bunch of really good tips to help you change your diet, which will change the effectiveness of the fuel that you take in, the food in the form of fuel, that is great for your brain health. You can never have too much brain health. And the next area we're going to focus on in lifestyle is exercise. And opposite science recommends that physical exercise is not only important for your body's health, but that it also helps your brain to stay sharp. Imagine that. 
Your brain's no different than the rest of your muscles in your body. You either use it or you lose it. You utilize the gym to stimulate the growth of muscle cell, just as you use a brain fitness program to increase connections in your brain. But you can actually get an additional brain boost by putting on your sneakers and going to the gym. The benefits of physical exercise, especially aerobic exercise, have positive effects on brain function in many ways, ranging from the molecular to the behavioral level. And according to a study done by the Department of Exercise Science at the University of Georgia, even briefly exercising for 20 minutes facilitates information processing and memory functions. So exercise affects the brain on multiple fronts. It increases heart rate, which pumps more oxygen to the brain. It also aids the bodily release of a plethora of hormones, all of which participate in aiding and providing a nourishing environment for the growth of brain cells. Exercise stimulates the brain plasticity by stimulating growth of new connections between cells in a wide array of important cortical areas of the brain. Recent research from UCLA demonstrated that exercise increased growth factors in the brain, making it easier for the brain to grow new neural connections. And from a behavioral perspective, the same antidepressant-like effects that are associated with that uh, runner's high found in humans is also associated with a drop in stress hormones. A study from Stockholm showed that the antidepressant effect of running was also associated with more cell growth in the hippocampus, an area of the brain that's responsible for learning and memory. So imagine the great effects of combining both mental and physical exercise. The usage of exercise in conjunction with brain fitness increases your chances of increasing cognitive functions within parameters, including time of exercise and style of exercise. So increasingly, differences between exercise styles such as Preferring cycling over running is associated with an enhanced brain function during and after the workout. As an example, ballroom dancing is an activity with both physical and mental demands, and it has a higher impact on the cognitive functioning over exercise or mental tasks alone. Now, this indicates that the best brain health workouts involve those that integrate different parts of the brain such as coordination, rhythm, and strategy. And here's a few tips then for choosing the right kind of physical exercise. In general, anything that's good for your heart is great for your brain. Aerobic exercise is great for the body and the brain. Not only does it improve the brain function, but it also acts as a first aid kit for damaged brain cells. Exercising in the morning before going to work not only spikes brain activity and prepares for mental stresses for the rest of the day, 
but also produces increases in retention of new information and better reaction to complex situations. So when you're looking to change up your workout, look for an activity that incorporates coordination along with cardiovascular exercise, such as dance classes or the Zumba. But if you prefer time at the gym, then choose the circuit workouts, which both quickly spike your heart rate, but also constantly redirect your attention. And when you're mentally exhausted, just try doing some jumping jacks, because they'll really help just to reboot your brain. Reboot your brain. Now, for folks that may need to ease into becoming more active in a more a gentler or slower way because of health issues or chronic pain, as an example, here's some ideas that can just get you moving a little more gently. Just walking on a daily basis is terrific. Taking the stairs sometimes instead of the elevator or the escalator. Getting up and moving around during the commercials when you're watching your favorite show. Doing some yard work or mowing the lawn. Even parking a little distance away from the door at work or at the mall. So you need to, gives, helps you to get those extra steps in. Going outside and playing with your kids. Washing the windows or mopping the floors. Taking a bike ride around your neighborhood. Some people like those um, pedometer, you know, the 10,000 steps a day. It's uh, it's a good way. You count your steps, and I guess 10,000 steps is not really as much as what we think it is. And the last suggestion would be to go out dancing or turn the music on and just dance around the house. Just get that body moving anyway. It doesn't matter how you do it. Just move the body. It's great for your physical health and fantastic for your brain. Now, there's research that shows that older women who lift weights build muscle in the brain as well as on the body. And there was a study in 2010 that was published in the Archives of Internal Medicine where researchers found that older women who did an hour or more of strength training every week showed an improvement in their cognitive abilities a year later. And the women in the study scored higher on brain processing tests involving planning and executive tasks. For example, they were better, they were better able to make decisions, resolve conflicts, and focus their attention without distraction. And then one more tip in terms of fitness would really be to understand that each side of your brain controls the opposite side of your body. So if you're like most people, you have a dominant side to your body. And unfortunately, that also means that you've probably ignored the non-dominant side and essentially neglected one half of your brain. So that's why it's important to switch activity to your non-dominant side from time to time. So if you're right-handed, you could try riding with your left hand on occasion or even leading with your non-dominant foot. And when you do exercise that involve crossing your body's midline, that also helps to balance both sides of the brain and bring your non-dominant side of the brain into stronger health. 
So, for example, you could try touching your knees to your opposite elbow because an ambidextrous brain is a healthier brain. And there is also research that was done on stroke victims that have a paralysis, let's say, on the, on the left side or a palsied hand, that uh, there are some um, research being done where they're kind of tying, tie, you know, just uh, putting the, the dominant hand, the, the right hand that's working well, in a sling and actually forcing uh, individuals to use their left hand and to work with the brain's plasticity to actually increase the ability and the coordination in the, in the non-dominant hand or in the hand that was damaged. And they're having very good success with things like that. So let's move on to another important area for brain health in terms of healthy lifestyles, and that's socialization. You know, this has been a part of our DNA since the beginning of time, and research suggests the potentiality that it's important to our health, and it's a role for maintaining socialization throughout your life. The activities you engage in have an impact on your brain health and perhaps affect your vulnerability to neurodegenerative disease. So people who isolate or segregate themselves have been shown to be at greater risks of developing dementia than those who remain integrated in society. Socializing with others provides an opportunity for communication, critical thought, creativity, and emotional expression. It also plays a vital role in boosting personal meaning and identity. Fortunately, there are many ways to expand our social networks and develop new roles and purpose to ensure brain health, even as we enter retirement. Our connection with friends and family is one of the easiest ways to maintain a complex and novel environment for our brains. Friends and family provide opportunities to communicate, interact, and share experiences, and they also provide necessary motivation to stay mentally active and involved. So sustaining a social network can seem difficult or daunting, especially after your children leave home or retirement sets in or a spouse passes away. But keeping in touch can be as easy as picking up the phone. So if you're having trouble getting started, how about trying just some four easy suggestions to help your social strategies to boost your brain health. As mentioned, keeping in touch with family and friends, staying socially engaged. You can attend activities in the community or volunteer your talents. Get to know your neighbors, which can increase your sense of belonging in your home or in your apartment. And explore the Internet. Social networking is really at its peak, and there's lots to do and lots of fun to be had and social engagement to happen and exchanging of ideas. And then we move to spirituality, which encompasses more than an appreciation for religious values. At its essence, it really means a way for you to turn inward, away from the material world and its hurried demands, to a more peaceful existence. Spiritual practices can involve prayer, meditation, yoga, quiet contemplation, or any other form of relaxation that helps you slow down and connect with the essence of who you are and what you value in life. It can also be an effective way to fight stress. 
And in a recent study on stress and the brain, Dr. Jensok Kim of the University of Washington found that chronic or traumatic stress has a negative impact on cognitive processing, such as learning and memory. And conversely, according to a survey in Parade magazine, 95% of U.S. physicians believe spirituality is, is important to the well-being of their patients. Research has demonstrated the following positive impacts of regular spiritual practice on health. There's an enhanced immune system. People experience earlier discharge from hospital stays and greater longevity. They're just living longer. And then, of course, meditation is a great component for increasing brain health and also just taking a walk in nature. And then there's that good night's sleep that we're always looking for. It can really boost your brain's health. You know, most of us that have stayed up all night and lost sleep know how poorly our brain works the next day when we're deprived from sleep. The trend for super caffeinated things and sleep deprivation is an increased problem. When we lose sleep or we don't sleep at regular times, our brain hormones become imbalanced, leading to higher cortisol levels and one of our stress hormones and lower growth hormones, which assist in healing and repairing the body. So we want to get good night's sleep. Go to bed and wake up at the same time every night. It helps to create a rhythm. Try to get at least seven or eight hours of sleep. This is considered average. Some people need five or others need ten. If you have trouble falling asleep, you could try starting to shut your day down an hour or two before bedtime. You can turn off the TV or don't hang out on the computer, read a book or take a hot bath. Some people use uh, magnesium supplements, which is a relaxation mineral, or even try herbal tea like chamomile. Surely cutting down on your caffeine would give you a better sleep. Getting more exercise, walking can make a difference, and even listening to soothing music before bed. Now, Dr. Paul Nussenbaum talks about love and the brain. And there was a recent study published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences that found a strong relationship between maternal support and nurturing in early childhood and the size of the hippocampus by school age. Now, this is particularly interesting since so much recent study has focused on the power of the environment in shaping the structure and the function of the brain. Children who obtain loving and nurturing care from their parents, and particularly from their mother for this particular study, demonstrated larger hippocampal volume years later. The hippocampus is a structure in our brains that's critical for new learning and for processing stressful input. So chronic stress has been shown to negatively impact the structures and the function of the hippocampus. And this is why people who suffer with chronic anxiety have memory problems. But on the positive side, a larger hippocampus not only helps us cope more effectively with daily stress, it also relates to reduced risk of mental illness and reduced risk of neurodegenerative diseases such as Alzheimer's. Early intervention always, and in this case, understanding the importance of loving our children 
can have lifelong health benefits. It's essential to continue to appreciate and respect the enormous importance that factors such as attitude, positive spirit, faith, and love have on our health and our well-being and our brain. These things don't come in a pill or a liquid, but they represent the best medicine we have, and we all need healthy doses of this every day. You know, science has discovered that the brain can reorganize itself when confronted with new challenges, even in our adult years. And based on this research, luminosity brain exercises are engineered to train a range of cognitive functions from working memory to fluid intelligence. Luminosity takes the advantage of the brain's innate neuroplasticity to help shape it into a more effective, powerful organ. So instead of teaching specific skills that may only be used in specific areas, luminosity targets core cognitive processes that underline performance in many different areas. And these processes include memory, attention, speed, flexibility, and problem solving, which are all abilities that are critical in the real world. And luminosity is the brain training that uh, I did, amongst other things. I also did brain-based therapy uh, with my chiropractor who practices functional neurology. But in terms of doing uh, brain training on myself and fitness for my brain at home, I chose luminosity as the internet site for my brain training. And the, the programs are designed by neuroscientists, and they're based on extensive research. The luminosity training promotes cognitive health by selecting challenging cognitive faculties. And here are some of the key concepts for understanding this process and brain training in general. So ad adaptivity, each individual brings his or, own, or her own unique set of strengths and weaknesses to any task. So the task that's quite easy for one person might be impossible for another. So in order to derive benefit from training, the level of difficulty must be appropriate and instead at levels that is challenging without being discouraging. So this level is different for each individual and it will change over time as performance improves. Now cognitive reserve represents the brain's resilience, its ability to cope with damage resulting from trauma, illness, and age. So more specifically, cognitive reserve speaks to the brain's ability to maximize its performance by recruiting different or alternating brain networks to solve problems that are historically managed, that were historically managed by areas that may be damaged. So childhood cognition, educational attainment, and adult occupation all contribute to cognitive reserve. And research shows that the brain training can also actively help individuals of all ages strengthen their cognitive reserve. Now having said that, only brain training that challenges the brain with adaptive, novel, and engaging exercises produces noticeable and long-term results. And then we have engagement. So to get the most out of brain training, individuals should train often and consistently. 
to encourage people to do so, effective brain training must therefore possess engaging exercises and an effective reward structure. When the brain is engaged and rewarded, it's much more open to learning and change. So the very process of being rewarded for correct responses in a given task teaches the brain mechanisms to produce to process that information more effectively. The reward for correct performance tells the brain that worked, do that again when confronted with the same situation in the future. If you're rewarded for your hard work, for example, by receiving praise from your colleagues, friends, and family, then you'll be more likely to work hard in the future. So this basic premise holds for both physical and mental exercises. You know, one of the biggest reasons why there's a lot of people that don't exercise as much as we could is because it can really hurt. So we're much more likely to engage in exercise if it's fun and enjoyable. And then fluid intelligence is the capacity to think logically, independent of acquired knowledge. It's the ability to analyze novel problems, identify patterns, and extrapolate relationships. It's necessary for all logic problem solving, especially scientific, mathematical, and technical problem solving. And then there is the novelty. You know, in order to effectively exercise a brain, we must confront it with novel tasks and challenges. So many of the mental challenges that are typically recommended for brain health, for example, crossword puzzles and bridge and Sudoku, they're highly overrated, they're highly overlearned tasks that don't really force the brain's processing system to operate in new ways. Unless we process information in new ways, we cannot initiate nervous system remodeling and growth. The brain creates specialized circuitry for doing particular tasks. So tasks that's been performed many times in the past simply reactivate the existing circuitry. And this form of stimulation may be helpful in keeping the brain active, but it will not drive fundamental improvements into information processing. So take the take crossword puzzles. As we work our way through a crossword puzzle, we recall information we've already learned in the past. Now, the information's different because it's in the form of words, but we are reactivating existing circuitry, not challenging the brain to work in new ways. So crossword puzzles thus provide a limited form of brain exercise. And then there's processing speed which measures how quickly the brain can perform basic cognitive operations and is thus a good general indicator of intelligence. The faster you can process information, the faster you can respond to the world. So as an example, while driving or making snap decisions, the brain's processing speed unfortunately declines with age. But with the luminosity training programs, you can push the limit of your informational processing speed. And then also targeting. So effective brain training targets the specific brain functions that are necessary to produce significant and noticeable changes in our everyday cognitive life. So unlike poorly designed brain exercises that improve nothing but a user's ability to complete the exercise, highly effective brain training improves not just an individual's 
proficiency with the exercise, but also his or her ability to perform real-world tasks. Cognitive psychologists use the word transfer to describe the process whereby selecting selectively targeted exercise produce real-world cognitive benefits. Well-designed exercise accomplish this transfer by improving multiple cognitive functions at once. That said, since no one training task can improve all aspects of cognition, an effective training program involves carefully crafted training tasks that target the more critical aspects of brain function. Research indicates that training just 10 or 15 minutes a day on luminosity can lead to dramatic improvements over time. Users report positive and often remarkable results that include better face name recall, faster problem-solving skills, and a quicker memory. So training can improve your ability to dramatically allocate attention, which sharpens memory and processing speed. So I'm going to just go through the five areas that focus in the brain training on luminosity and other sites as well, uh, broken down into five areas of brain training, and just give you a list of some of the benefits in each area, things that you can uh, look forward to if you feel to engage in brain health and brain fitness in the form of doing these computer-based brain um, brain training programs. So the first one is memory. And it will help you to improve by keeping track. The programs put you in a situation where you have to keep track of several ideas at the same time. You're learning new subjects quickly and accurately. You're remembering names after the first introduction and recalling the location of objects. So these are some of the improved memory skills from doing some of the luminosity brain training. And then the improvements in attention. An increased ability to maintain focus on important tasks all day. Concentrating while learning something new. Avoiding distractions. And improving productivity and precision at work and at home. And then in the area of speed and your cognitive processing time, it increases your ability in terms of reacting quickly, speeding up the cognitive processing, adapting to changing environments, decision-making in time-sensitive situations, And thinking quick on your feet. Great, great for that. And then there is flexibility. Improvements in being able to think outside the box. Avoiding errors so your work would be more accurate. Communicating clearly. Multitasking quickly and effectively. And then problem solving. So making quick and accurate estimations, dissecting complex arguments, being able to calculate figures in your head, and determining the best course of action in a situation. 
So all of these are great benefits from focusing on brain training. You know, and as we've learned today, brain fitness is a, a, a wide, a wide area. And lifestyle certainly has a big impact on that. Certainly eating smart, eating for brain health, exercising, exercising your brain, and exercising your body. And socialization is a key, a key point to maintaining good brain health. Spirituality as well. Meditation, walking in nature, and as always, the importance of a good night's sleep. And we also talked about love in the brain and the importance of nurturing our children when they're very young and how that can boost our brain health. And then the areas that brain training can help with in terms of the uh, a brain being more adaptive, building up your cognitive reserve, being able to do work more completely and more thoroughly, engaging in consistency and having the brain work on all the levels, the fluidity of intelligence, and certainly neuroplasticity and the brain's ability to mold and change as the demands of our life change. And how brain exercises the novelty is a really important factor because it helps your brain to stretch and grow and create new neural pathways. Processing speed, the ability to make snap decisions, and then targeting. These exercises really target all the different functions of the brain that can help you have increased brain health. So that's a lot to think about, and a lot of it is very uh very much common sense, and I'd have to say for myself, after having a, injured my brain and been in a vulnerable state for quite a while as I recovered, that doing brain-based therapy, doing fitness exercises on the computer, focusing on diet, getting plenty of rest, I was amazed at how tired I was. The brain needs an incredible amount of rest, and we don't really realize that. We say, oh yeah, I can function, I can function. You may be able to function, but not very well. The brain loves to rest and get that rest. Exercise, diet, socialization, networking, and time to be reflective and introspective and take a rest. So I hope that these things that we've talked about today have opened your mind in terms of the accessibility for yourself to keep good brain health and good brain fitness for yourself and to encourage your loved ones. I thank you for tuning in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio. I am your ever-grateful host, Leah Brenda-Smith. And until next time, I encourage you to relax and enjoy life. We hope you've enjoyed our program today and perhaps have found some new techniques that you can apply to your daily life. Thank you for tuning in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio. Please join Leah Brenda Smith again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you next week.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.